first reading is from Matthew 14 and is verses 22 to 33. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, and then, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. The second reading is Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. Do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. I'd uh, like to claim it was deliberate, but Marina and Claire pointed out to me that the readings they'd been given, Claire's was, was about a leap of faith, and Marina's was about not worrying, um, which for a bride-to-be and the mother of the bride, they said, was, was quite appropriate. Um, I said before um, that Soul Survivor was a bit different for me this year. Um, it's the, obviously the first time we've been with Ethan. And in other years, I've been able to kind of just pick and choose and go to seminars and, and do whatever I wanted to. But this year, obviously because Rachel was there, as the church youth worker, 
and we had Ethan as well. It was important that she was able to go to seminars and to be able to spend time with the young people. So I was looking after Ethan. Not all the time, don't worry, I'm not claiming credit for all of it, Rachel. So it felt a bit odd, to be honest, because it was sort of like, I'd quite like to go to that seminar, but I can't. And and, and in the end, I didn't even really bother looking at what seminars there were, because there wasn't much point getting too excited about anything. Um, When we got there, the first worship session, there was was a few songs I didn't know, because there's always some new songs that you, you don't know when you get to Soul Survivor. But there was one where the chorus was, uh, my praise overflows from my heart, from the depths of my soul. And I remember, we sung it a few times, so obviously you get the hang of it as you go along and you start singing along. And I was singing it and I was thinking, but I don't feel like my praise is overflowing. I kind of feel like I need to fill up before I've got any capacity to overflow. And I felt a wee bit sort of, well, sad about that, to be honest. I was sort of like, I want my praise to overflow, but I just feel a bit kind of empty. It was a really good soul survivor for me. Uh, by the end of the week when we were singing it, my praise was overflowing. And I really did feel like God had, had spoken to me and had been really close to me. And yet, I didn't ever stand up for prayer I didn't ever ask to be prayed for. No one ever prayed directly for me like that. There was never a big sort of kapow moment where God showed up and went, whoa, I am God, ha ha, or anything like that. But over the the few days we were there, I, I had the privilege of learning from perhaps two of the greatest exponents of simple Christian life that I've seen in a long time. Mr. T.J. Warburton and Mr. Ethan Cameron. Because it struck me when I was watching them, there was one night when, uh, I'm not going to embarrass them too much, I hope, but there was one night when we were, we were worshipping and T.J. was just doing his own thing. And he, he had his hands up while he was singing and he was dancing away to the music and he was running around and he was having a great time, so much so that he ended up dancing with someone who wasn't his dad but he didn't care. He was just having fun. He was enjoying it. And it just struck me that when Jesus talks in the Bible about having a a faith like a child, that the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, that the great thing about kids is they haven't got inhibitions. They don't worry that, well, you know, if I stand with my arms out and twirl around to the music, people will look and go, what's he doing? Who does he think he is? They just do it. TJ wasn't even worried that that wasn't his dad. He just carried on dancing anyway. And looking over to his dad and his mum and having a big smile, I'm having a great time here. It was an instinctive reaction. An instinctive reaction to the music, an instinctive reaction to worship God. He hadn't learned any inhibitions about, oh, you can't do that, or you can't do it like this, or what if you get it wrong? And it just struck me that it's too easy for us as adults to start thinking about, oh, I'm worried if someone thinks I look silly, or what if I 
I stand up at the wrong time or um, I mean it sort of reminds me of, of a few years ago when we went to, to church at Christmas with Rachel's dad um, to the Roman Catholic Church in Perth and I was just completely lost I didn't know when to stand up or sit down or half the service was in Latin and all I can remember from school is in pictura es puella romana nomine Flavia in the picture is a Roman girl called Flavia doesn't come up very often in the <laughs> The Christmas Eve Mass. And you sit there and you sort of, you feel a bit awkward and you think, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. And yet Jesus says, it's not about doing the right thing or worshipping in the right way. It's about just having that faith. In the same way as Peter had in the reading that we heard. Jesus comes walking on the water and Peter and the disciples see him and they're scared and they say, oh, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. And then Jesus says, no, it's not, it's me. And Peter's instinctive reaction is, it strikes me as, as like a little kid. Like if, I'm sure when Stuart comes home from work and TJ hears him coming in and he shouts, Daddy's home. And TJ comes running and he says, all right, Daddy. Ethan doesn't do that yet. Um, it was like that. Peter says, if that is you, Lord, call to me and I'll come. And Jesus says, yeah, come on then. And Peter doesn't even think. He just jumps out the boat and runs across the water like a child. And then his adult brain kicks in. It's like that moment in cartoons, isn't it, where... Roadrunner, well not Roadrunner, but Wiley Coyote or somebody runs off the edge of the cliff and they keep running for a bit and then they stop and they look down and they realise that there's nothing underneath them and then they fall. It's one of those moments, isn't it? Peter reacts instinctively with that sort of childlike faith. You've called me, I'm coming. No questions, no doubts, I'm coming. And then when he's halfway across the water, suddenly... He thinks, hang on a second, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm, I'm on water, I'm not supposed to be able to walk on water. I'm supposed to, whoa, hang on, I'm drowning. And often we're like that. We, we, we start to rely on God and then suddenly we sort of think, well, yeah, but can God really provide for my needs? Can God really, does God really want to cure me of short sight so I don't need to wear glasses? Ethan's at a stage now where he's, he's, he's eating wee pots of food. And boy, does he love his food. I tell you, if he had wings instead of arms, he would take off in between every mouthful. Give <laughs> me the next one. But he's completely, completely reliant on someone to feed him. If you give him a wee piece of bread, he'll sit and hold it and chomp on it. But he's still reliant on someone to give him that, that food. He's relying on someone to put him in clothes to keep him warm. He's relying on someone to, to cuddle him when he's upset. Totally reliant on, especially Rachel and I. And he expects it. He doesn't question it. He doesn't say, um, Dad, am I, am I having food? I might, I might like some food today. He just cries and says, give me food. And there's no... There's no doubt that this food will come. It's just, give it to me. 
And that's how God wants us to be with him. To be completely reliant. To be completely trusting. To say, give us this day our daily bread. Not, is there any bread today, God? It's, give it, because we need it. And we trust you to give it. Rather than, I wonder if God might give me, if I ask nicely. When Ethan, as I said before, when Ethan wants food, he just cries and he gets food. He doesn't sort of struggle along and think, well, I'm, I'm a bit hungry, but maybe if I wait a bit longer, they'll figure out that I should be hungry by now and give me some food. Or maybe if I just suck my fingers for another couple hours, that might do instead. When he needs something, he makes it clear that he needs it. And yet, as Christians, quite often what we do is we... We struggle along and we try to make do. And we think, well, I don't really want to bother God about my glasses. I'll just carry on wearing them. And, and, and rather than just ask him to heal my eyesight. Or all sorts of other things. Sometimes because we think they're too trivial. Sometimes because we think they're too important. But we, we just struggle along. And God's there saying, I can provide for you if you just ask for it. One episode that really taught me a lot about how, how our relationship is with God was, was probably the first night we got there. Um, Ethan's never been camping before. And in our, in our tent, he had his own little bedroom in the tent, and then he had his own little mini tent inside that to sleep in, to keep him a bit warmer. And then he had his little sleeping bag on and all the rest of it. But that first night, he'd never slept in that little tent thing before. Um, and he'd never slept in a tent before and there was rain batting against the thing and there was kids shouting oggy, 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 oi, oi, oi. And there was wind blowing and there was all sorts of things and it was all quite unsettling for him. And so I put him down to bed and normally you can put him to bed and wander off and he's fine. But this night he wasn't. He was upset. And he wanted to know that there was somebody there to cuddle him. So he had a bit of a cuddle for a while and rub his tummy and he calms down a bit, and then you think, okay, he's going to sleep now. I'll just creep off. Nope, he's crying again. And I was sort of talking to him the whole time, um, and, and it kind of reminded me there's a, a series of, of short films called, uh, from a company called Numa, and there's one called Rain, and uh, the, the guy in it, Rob Bell, tells a story about a time when he was going for a walk in the forest with his little baby and it suddenly started to rain and he had the baby in this, one of these little carry things at the front and uh, it started hammering down with rain and the kid was really, the baby was really crying and he's, he sort of puts his arms around him, keep him dry and he says, it's okay buddy, I know the way home, I've got you, don't worry, dad will look after you. And it was similar like that to me. I was, I was there in the tent and I was saying, I know it's unsettling, but it's okay. Daddy's here. You know, if you need anything, just you cry and daddy will be back. And it struck me that that's, that's what God says to us. When things are unsettling and we cry out, God's there. Whether it's giving you a spiritual tummy rub or just an arm round. He's there. 
But then sometimes, like with Ethan, I could have stayed there all night cuddling him. And that's why I've got a cold, because it was <laughs> kind of cold lying on the ground sheet, cuddling him. But when he calmed down, he didn't need me right there. So I went back into the main bit of the tent, but I was still there. He couldn't see me. He didn't necessarily know that I was right there, but I was still there. And again, when, when, we're, when we're doing all right, God's still there, but he's not necessarily right there. With us, it's slightly different. We tend to sort of move away from God. God always stays where he is, and we move away from him. But whenever, whenever he started to murmur, whenever he started to cry, I was sort of poking my head around to make sure he was okay. And again, with God, when things start to go tough and when you start to cry out, he's, he's right there again. God never says, hang on a minute, I'm a bit busy. I'm just in the middle of making a cup of coffee. I'll be, I'll be there in 10 minutes. God never says, oh, this is the sixth time tonight. Just leave me alone. God's always there. God always provides. We can rely on him entirely. So when Jesus says, let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. What he's saying is, don't put up your own barriers between you and me. Rely on me entirely, because I can provide more than you need. Whenever you need something, call out, and I'll be straight there, regardless of how many times it's been tonight. I'm always there. And the last thing that struck me about that was that Jesus said this to a group of Jewish people who at the time would have basically disregarded children. The feeding of the 5,000 came up a couple of times while we were away. In fact, before we got away, when we went round to, to drop the wristbands off to Stuart and Diane, and Diane said, I've got 40 loaves of bread in the car to feed 40 kids. Jesus managed to feed 5,000 with five. <laughs> and it came up in one of the seminars, and there was about 3,500 people in the seminar, and somebody, in, the, in the main session, and somebody said something about feeding the 5,000. And I looked round and I thought, gosh, you know, there's 3,500 people here. And Jesus fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And then I remembered that what the Bible actually says is there was 5,000 men because they didn't count the women and the children. And that came back to me when I was thinking about this reading. A society that didn't count children. Not a Victorian children should be seen and not heard. Children weren't even really seen. And yet Jesus said, you need to become like one of these you need to become like someone that other people would disregard. You need to put away all your adult pretensions and you need to be prepared to be disregarded by others. So, like I say, Spring, uh, spring Harvest was Soul Survivor. And Soul Survivor was a bit different for me. And uh, God spoke to me through, through just watching TJ and... and through being with Ethan. Um, I'm going to try and make sure that all my sermons aren't about Ethan.
from now on in. What does that say? No, we're not doing birthdays this week. Sorry. Being heckled from the back silently is just outrageous. You've put me off my train of thought now as well. Could you not have waited till I was finished? Soul Survivor was a bit different. But God still taught me a lot. And actually taught me that you can learn from people with a completely different theology, if you like. Um, That you don't need to have all the qualifications under the sun to be able to demonstrate what Jesus talks about in the Bible. Little kids can do it. The next song links into this. Um, It's a story which I think I might have told before, so I don't really apologise for telling it again because it fits really well. Um, Karl Barth, the great theologian, uh, when he was getting on a bit, was sort of doing kind of like a sort of farewell tour, if you like, um, of, of lectures. And his last lecture... Um, he came on and he sort of spoke to the, to the guy who was introducing it um, and he, he'd sort of given his lecture and at the, at the end there was to be time for, for questions and answers and, uh, and the guy who was leading it had spoken to Carl Bart and he said uh, Dr Bart is quite tired time's getting on we don't really have time for a lot of questions um, so if it's all right with everyone here, I'll just ask one question and, that, and that'll be it. Um, and it was at a, a theological college, so all these students are sitting there with a notebook ready, making notes of what he said. And the lecturer says, in all your years as a theologian, what's the greatest single piece of theology you've learned? talk about a question, (laughs) just the one question, that'll do and all the students are there with their notebooks and Karl Barth sits there and and he thinks for a minute and then he leans forward and he says the greatest single piece of theology I have ever learned is this Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so Great. Sounds like a cue for a song. <laughs> 